Good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. 26 or 27 Easter's ago, my sister walked and I walked into a church with my six, six month old nephew in arm. She was a his, she was a single mom and a heroic one at that, working a ton of hours managing a um, a retail store called Structure, if you remember those back then, in a mall. She was rearing her son and venturing back to church for the first time in years. I was on spring break from college and was with her because we, she couldn't get away from work. We walked into church and awkwardly found our seats, not knowing anyone there. And when things were about to start, a minister of the gospel said these words that were so hard. If you are one of those people who only come on Easter and Christmas, he said, it means nothing. You might as well not even be here. And tears fell and shame poured over us. And we felt isolated and exposed, even though they, we didn't know anybody. I wanted to get up and scream and say, no. And without a clue that I'd be a pastor that day. I said to God a little prayer. I said, if you ever let me address somebody on Easter or Christmas, a church, I, tell, I will tell everyone in the room just the opposite. And now, by his kindness, I get to do it every Easter. So hear this. Welcome. Friends, family, visitors, strangers, doubters, cynics, believers, and non-believers alike, whether you are here because of your faith or just because your family's with you. In the name of the resurrected Christ, welcome. We are glad you are with us. This is the day, the tip of the spear for all days that declare that the God of the universe is not waiting for you to get your junk together to be, to be accepted by him. He loves us like we are, and he loves us enough to change us and transform us and accept us as we are, and then to clean us up along the way. And for you who are visitors, especially to those in the church for the first time or the first time in a long time, to those scared to death to be judged in spaces like this, or those of you who feel alone and isolated because you've been shamed in the name of Jesus by people like me, for those who feel like your sin or our sin seems too big, too gross, too abnormal, too whatever, hear what is true. We, you, are not alone. The world and the church is filled with people who doubt and despair and who are not sure where they fit. Welcome to the fellowship of the broken. For those who believe and often struggle to believe that we, that they too are welcomed by the strong and tendered mercy of the risen Christ. Welcome. And we start with our reading this morning, one simple verse, one loaded and beautiful simple verse. Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is from 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. So there's been a lot of strange days lately, and I have to tell you, this is a strange one. Rona Resurrection Sunday, 
or as one friend called it, Easter on your Keister Sunday. We have already experienced so much, so differently than we have before. We've experienced pain and fear and suffering. And yet with worship and joy and love and some really beautiful hope. It must have been what it felt like a lot to the people that Peter was writing to so many years ago. He was talking to a group of folks who were suffering, much of it from either cultural and sometimes even state oppression. But these folks were spread out all across Asia Minor and in, in, in huddled in small house churches all across um, the foreign region, uh, a foreign region to them, uh, the size of California. They were strangers in a strange land. They were resident sojourners, both um, physically and culturally, but also spiritually as well. And yet Peter, just two verses in, just two verses in, starts with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amid it all, he begins to worship, to bless God, honor God. And we would do well to pattern our own lives after this instinct. Worship now made more complicated because of our separation, but still very much the reality that will sustain us. Redeem writes, if you, were, if you have a chance to uh, go over to the Inmar parking lot, and, uh, and if you haven't heard the rest of you, um, uh, Bishop Sir Walter Mack invited me to preach at Redeemer with Union Baptist um, and to a drive-in worship service yesterday. Strangers in a strange land of COVID-19, and we worship strangely, uh, parked in cars one space apart from each other, windows rolled up, radios turned on, watching on jumbotrons, preaching and teaching through masks, honking horns to say amen, flashing lights and windshield wipers. It was bizarre and beautiful. We are strange people who worship amid suffering because that's who we are. And it's not just because we're creative or whatever. It's because we have been blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has been genuinely and powerfully kind to us. And we are able to do so. As we continue in this amazing verse, we're able to do so because of his great mercy where he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He has given us a new life in him, a new birth. I know that phrase born again can be quirky and has all sorts of weird connotations, but think of it this way. He's taken our dead souls and made them alive. He has made our hard hearts flesh. His spirit has vivified our spirits and we are new. Now, we share the same struggles as everyone else in the universe, but we share those struggles as a different kind of people because we have been born anew. And this new birth gives us the new eyes to see the entire universe, the entire cosmos differently. It helps us see the world we live in with all of its grunge and all of its glory as part of the great narrative, the great story of God bringing about his redemption. The pain we live through, the trials and the viruses and the economic devastation and the sheer unknown of our physical and financial and vocational worlds, they're all seen in light of this incredible narrative. 
we reborn have a, have a living hope, it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a hope that's alive. And this new way of seeing is what we're, is that reality of this hope. Y'all, it's time to encourage and nurture and let this hope flourish with one another. My sense is, and I don't know anything more than anybody else does, but my sense is we aren't even close to feeling the physical and fiscal pain of this thing. And so we must beg the spirit to cultivate this hope that is alive in us and with one another, that we would encourage each other in these ways. As many of you know, my mother is Italian. She's from the North. About two hours from where our brother, uh, Basil Mataka, is going to help with pharmaceutical and medical supplies. And my family sends updates of all sorts, a lot of them in Italian, so, you know, don't get all those uh, all the time. But one of her dear friends, actually, sent her a poem of seeing the story of Jesus in the middle of all this from her perspective. So my mom was so overwhelmed by it and loved it so much, she translated it for me um, with, of course, you know, uh, lingo changes and, and what have you, like a good translation. But what I want you to notice in this as I read this rather long poem to you um, is that this unknown to us brother or sister poet in Italy has, has been able to bless God and because of her new birth with new eyes has a hope that is alive in the reality of what's going on there. And she starts... And you know I like this with kind of a protest question. Who says that we are missing out on Holy Week this year? Have you not seen the procession at the testings positive of the coronavirus? Don't you see the way of the cross from our health workers who again and again approach the pandemic overwhelmed by anguish and fear of not being able to repel it? Have you not seen the doctors in their white coats carrying the painful cross of their contagious parents? Don't you see the scientists sweat blood and water as in Gethsemane in their effort to find a vaccine or a better treatment? Please do not say that Jesus does not walk our streets this week. Is he not with us who must work to bring food and medicine to our tables? Have you not seen the many Simons of Cyrene who in one way or another offer themselves to lift the heavy crosses? Don't you see the many Veronicas exposing themselves to infection as they blot out the faces of the contagious? Who does not see Jesus fall to the ground every time the cold tally of the victims is heard? Is it not here, the passion? Is it not there? In the nursing homes full of our elderly and the helpers there to serve under the most elevated risk? Is it not a crown of thorn for the children who must live confined indoors without fully understanding why they cannot play like normal? Have the students everywhere feeling deprived of schooling and graduation festivities and the small, small business feeling sentenced and condemned when they have to halt? Has the, not the entire world been beaten and scourged by this, 
this virus. Even Pontius Pilots are alive and well. See so many leaders who are playing battering, bartering games to gain political advantage. Those who ascribe motives without looking at facts. Those who foment hate and division to gain acceptance and approval. Those who exploit the crisis for self-gain. Are they not suffering? Those who through no fault of their own remain confined and powerless and anxious about their future? And do we see the face of our Marys in the anguish reflection of the mothers by the families who suffer because their beloved has gone away from them and died away from them and alone? And the agony of the crucified one, Jesus, gasping for breath, even on a respirator. Do not say there is no holy week. Don't say it, the poet says, when the actual drama of the passion has never been more vivid, more real, or more authentic. In our life, we have never waited as anxiously or with as much hope for the resurrection. <clears throat> Amen. This brother or sister in Italy, this poet, sees with newborn eyes, and because of God's great mercy, she or he has been born into kind of a living hope that can see uh, this hope that is alive even among the dead, even among the vacant streets of Vicenza. But please do not miss the reality of what the poet here or Peter are saying. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look y'all, if the poem didn't end with the hope of the resurrection, it would be poetic macabre, morose verse that would be great for a kind of empathy, but useless for any actual hope. It's just a, a suffering analogous to Jesus without a rising of the dead. But remember, the apostle Paul said, if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, then we are not to be an admired people. In fact, we are to be a pitied people, and not just pitied, but pitied among all people. Because what we would be doing then is enduring suffering when it had no meaning, trying to love sacrificially and give to one another for no good reason. All of it would be folly if Jesus didn't come back from the grave. And yet, the radical almost too good to be true, unbelievable reality is that death and sin are conquered in the resurrection of body and the body of Jesus. And so is, in some mysterious way, COVID-19. Obviously, has not been put to death yet. It's not vanquished from our land, but the living hope sees the suffering, not in light of the suffering, but in light of the resurrections. That the resurrection. That's why people can talk about rebuilding and seeing something new. That's why people can worship in a parking lot with honking horns and how poets can see Jesus in the, in the suffering and still have hope because of the resurrection. And the breadth of the resurrection includes the physical bodies. Easter's reach is not just into the stony heart to bring forgiveness, which is beautiful and wonderful, but into the stone that's been rolled away and all the way into every square inch of creation and for all of eternity. Yesterday when I preached at Union Baptist, and if you want to hear it, you can go over there um, to their website. You can hear my little sermonette on what happened between Friday and Sunday. 
And it's simply this, that when he was dead, actually in the flesh, the scripture says something really weird, that he was alive in the spirit and preached to the imprisoned spirits, which means really ultimately there, there is no there is no molecule in the universe or, or any square inch of the spiritual reality in this cosmos to which Jesus does not lay claim of his love. That is the breadth of redemption and the meaning of Easter. The spiritual, the physical, the seen, and the unseen redeemed. That includes all the sin and suffering and sickness that are still to be vanquished in us and in our world. Easter is about flesh and resuscitation of life, not in metaphor. It's about forgiveness and pardon for sin. All that stuff that is so hard and we so often don't want to think about. That is what it's about. It's about a fulfillment of God's story. The kind king coming to reign in love and justice and healing. If Easter is true, and it is true, it is the greatest fulfillment of hope that can ever be known. And that's a burden that can only be shouldered with childlike faith. It, it means that if you're connected to the resurrected flesh of Jesus, that you can know the deepest peace, the eternal kind, the living hope, the hope that's alive, the one that can endure the greatest tragedies. It means you have a hope that has a heartbeat. It lives almost like a fairy tale kind of hope. I get it. That this is not the end. That we will meet with those who have gone before us who are in Christ Jesus. That if the resurrection of truth that death has been dealt a death blow. It means that you and I get to marvel and wrestle with and behold that he is making all things new. Make much of the resurrection. We are rejoicing people even amid suffering because we are an Easter people who have lived through Good Friday. The fuel, the source, the burning fire of our rejoicing, the behold, the, the, uh, the blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that language is a reminder not of us, even our assessment of our living hope or our new birth or, or, or even the horrors of our suffering, but, but to remember it as a historical event that Jesus rose from the dead. And there's connections to everything, just like the poet showed us, and just like we can hear now again. Are you having trouble rejoicing? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you sick and tired of the Rona rage and the angst of the family and friendships? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you having only hazy memories of you being born anew? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you unsure if you could even trust Peter's radical words here or the stories of the Gospels? 
Enter in. Jesus rose from the dead. Are you plagued by doubt? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you exhausted by grief? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you spent by the death and suffering around us? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you the fearful of your own death and your own suffering? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you soul sick about the death of another? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you scared about your finances and your job loss? Jesus rose from the dead. It's not that we don't endure those things as if they weren't real. They are absolutely real, which is why the absolute bodily resurrection of Jesus is necessary and the only thing that can give us hope. We are strange, rejoicing people singing songs of Zion while in a strange land because Jesus rose from the dead. Because Jesus rose from the dead, Neither suffering nor death itself can kill a Christian. Not ultimately. In fact, the next verse, little pro tip for you, says that, that what we get is something that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is imperishable because we have reborn, been reborn by the one who was raised from the dead. His resurrection secures our salvation and gives us that hope that's alive. And this leads us in the choir of our rejoicing no matter what the circumstance or the suffering, here and everywhere, now and forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us trust you. Help us believe the truly unbelievable. It's truly too good to be true, and yet it is true. May we have childlike faith. And would you let that living hope bear out to our neighbors sacrificially and in love. And we thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So friends, what we would normally be doing now is sharing the Lord's Supper together. And one of my, the saddest realities of this is that we don't get to see each other and have faith for one another as we walk forward to receive the elements. And we don't get to join in communion with our God. I do want to show you a, an incredible gift that Wendy Brown gave me, and I want to share it with you as a kind of act of communion together. Um, and um, so I've been complaining about preaching to my front window, and um, hold on. Wendy made me a two-foot by three-foot poster of all the members of our church. And to me... This beautiful thing is what I get to preach to now. So all the adult members of our church are in front of me, and it is an incredible gift. And so that's what communion is for and what it is about, is that we together would join as a family redeemed by his grace and kindness. And we're not doing communion right now, and I don't know how long this is going to last, so exactly how we'll figure something out in the future. But I know this, that it is right and good to long to be together. When we celebrate communion, we celebrate it um, with an eye towards the great day when we will eat with him, when he, in an amazing way, serves us again at his wedding feast, at his table. And so we always do this in remembrance of the past and towards something in the future, the great day. And so we live in that already not yet, trusting in the resurrection and our unification again. Let us turn now to lift our voices together.